Williams, the publisher of 24-7's Demon Deacons Digest, is our special guest. It's time for a Wake Forest football preview. This is ACC Nation. I'm Jim Quist. That's Will Ogenen. Welcome, Les. We appreciate you joining us. Hey, I'm thrilled to be on, Jim Williams. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I don't know if, if you've noticed yet or not, because this is, this is uh, sort of a subtle thing, but we're both wearing black. Uh, mm-hmm. for the Wake Forest preview, but we don't have gold. So it's, <laughs> it's you know. Hopefully it's because our colors are, 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 are black and gold and not because of mourning because of the, uh, nah. the recent Sam Hartman news. So No, no. no, no, I, no. 95% of my wardrobe is black. So. <laughs> <laughs> it just works out that way. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, I just thought it would be a, a neat thing to sort of be supportive of, of uh, Sam and the team and, and the hardship and everything. So not, not to go on to the other side. So let's talk about that 600-pound gorilla in the quarterback room beginning to end give us the some details on what's happening with sam not everybody has a, a full picture of this because it's been just little bits and pieces dribs and drabs coming out about about what sam has been dealing with and how it's impacted the team tell us a little bit more about what's happening yeah, it's one of those things that there aren't very many folks that actually do know the whole story about Sam Hartman's medical issue at this point, because, I mean, uh, as a student athlete and as, I guess, an American, actually, he has that, you know, privacy rights to his own medical, you know, uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've kept a pretty tight lid on things. Um, basically, uh, at Wake Forest, uh, as a member of the media, we're fortunate in, in terms of we're able to to attend all of spring camp and all of fall camp up until like they get to specific game week preparations. Once they start installing specifically for VMI in a week or so, then we'll be shut out. But prior to that, we'll get to see every staff of every, of every practice. We'll get to interview players and coaches at our discretion after each practice. So, you know, there's, you know, each year I see probably, 35 to 40 Wake Forest football practices. I see, you know, and each practice lasts roughly two hours or so. So I get to see roughly, you know, 80 hours or so of Wake Forest football practice every year. So anyway, I arrived at practice early Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm sorry, early Wednesday morning. Tuesday was an off day last week and uh, found out from the Wake Forest uh, Associate Athletic Director in charge of media relations, uh, Will Pantages, that I would want to be uh, situated by 8 a.m. Practice was set to start at 7.45, that I would want to be situated by 8 a.m. because there would be an important release that would be, you know, hitting my email. Um, By that time, um, you know, we'd already spotted uh, Sam Hartman at camp that day at practice, but he clearly was not dressed to play. Uh, So, you know, bells and whistles started going off at that time that, you know, it was going to be something regarding Sam. Um, I got up to the perch in which I usually watch uh, practice and got the release, just kind of like every other media person that Hartman was going to be out for the year uh, because of a medical condition, that he had a procedure the previous day, and that he'd be out an indefinite period of time. Uh, We spoke with Wake Forest coach Dave Clawson after practice, in which he anointed uh, red shirt, 
freshman, uh, Mitch Griffiths, um, the, the starting quarterback, uh, kind of said the competition would be ongoing still, but also basically said Griffiths is going to be getting all the first-team reps or the vast majority of first-team reps. But uh, Michael Kern, uh, who's a redshirt sophomore, uh, will at this point be quarterback two. And uh, so, yeah, they've been kind of going at it in a pseudo-competition uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday, and then off Sunday and then back at it today. Uh, it's been a mixed bag, but I would say it was a mixed bag even when Sam Hartman was, was leading the team. I would say during Sam's uh, practices in camp that it was close to a 50-50 split in terms of offense winning the day versus defense. And, you know, over the course of these few days, I'd say roughly the offense has won one practice, the defense has won a couple practices, most notably kind of dominating the scrimmage that they had on Friday. Um, but, yeah, it's been a good back and forth. Um, don't know what I'm really leaving out. We really don't have any specifics on Hartman's condition. Uh, that's to his discretion. I kind of let my readers know um, through a little bit of soul searching myself uh, and kind of talking with a couple of my mentors and peers then I'm not going to be the guy to kind of uh, work behind the scenes to try to determine what Sam Hartman's ailment is. That's his discretion and his story to tell when and if he wants to tell it. It's not up to me to go behind his back and reveal his you know, medical secrets. So I imagine we'll all know at some point, but we don't really know now. Respect you for that, Les, because uh, a lot of people would jump all over that. And, and um, there is a degree... Uh, at which everybody deserves privacy, and uh, especially with health-related issues. Um, as you said, that is something that Sam can address on his own when, when and if he feels that it's appropriate to do so. Um, so it, I'm not going to ask you anything further than what I've just asked you. Uh, I think that if, uh, if, if people want to, to find out more about stuff, they can always dig, um, and, you know, that's that's something, obviously, I think we've all done. And But, again, keeping it to ourselves is, I think, the better better way to go. Um, the, the, I, would, I would add that there has been a bit of acrimony within Wake Forest media about <clears throat> when uh, Hartman will return. It was, <clears throat> it was said that it would be yeah. an indefinite absence. Uh, when um, Coach Clawson spoke with us that day, at Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, he said that Sam would return. He just doesn't know when. Sam Hartman has also told us in the past that this was his last year at Wake Forest, that he planned on going to the NFL after the season. Mm -hmm. So when you add those two things together, the assumption by myself and others was that, okay, Sam Hartman will be back this year. Honestly, <laughs> from the grand scheme of things, Dave Clawson never said specifically this year. He said Sam Hartman would be back. When we sp spoke to Mitch Griffiths a couple days later, Mitch Griffiths said, hey, this is Sam's team, and I'm, I'm holding it together for him while he's gone, but I'm going to turn it over to him when he gets back this year. Mitch Griffiths said he'd be back this year, but Dave Clawson never specifically said this year, but that is kind of the assumption. Well, Sam is a, is very much a competitor, and uh, in any time he's dealt with injuries in the past, he's always been somebody who is is has really been that that guy that you talk about putting your nose down to the, the you know the grindstone and just really you know pushing back 
to come to come back into action. Um, we'll see uh, if if that is the case for this season and uh, where it may carry over to next season. Uh, if if he doesn't play like more than half a season, that was a possibility. There's all kinds of stuff. There's conjecture left and right. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna let that one go, and and fans can do the conjecture all they want because you know until you know for sure, yeah, it's it's just conversation. Hey, um, now it it kind of surprises me a little bit that you have. Um, Clawson going with the, the freshman. Um, I kind of expected uh, Michael Kern to, to be the guy, but obviously not. Uh, is there something that you're seeing with all of these, these multiple hours of watching practice that, that makes things stand out more one way or the other here? What's, what's super interesting about this, Jim, is that I spoke with Wake Forest offensive coordinator Warren Ruggiero last Monday. And when I got home and did my practice report and posted my interview for Ruggiero, I had told my readers at Demon Deacon Digest that I believed that Mitch Griffiths was QB2. You know, that was, you know, once again, the day before everything kind of broke loose. Mm -hmm. And that I believed that he had a slight upper hand on Michael Kern. What I believe sets uh, Mitch Griffiths, you know, ahead is he seems to have a better understanding of the offense and he has this escapability uh, uh, to him that just adds another level to the offense. He's able to create plays with his feet, uh, not only extending plays to where he can find an eventual open receiver down the field, but he can also just kind of tuck it and, and carve out some yardage that way too, that I think is a step beyond what Michael Kern can do. And it's, it's somewhat of a misnomer. I called him a freshman, so that's my fault. It's kind of a misnomer to call him a freshman or Kern a sophomore because this is because they had the redshirt year, plus they had the free year in 2020 because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So this is actually Mitch Griffiths' sixth camp with Wake Forest, three spring camps, three fall camps. And this is Michael Kern's eighth camp, eighth camp at Wake Forest. Wow. So they've both been in the system an extremely long period of time. In a normal in a normal circumstances, probably maybe you know Sam Hartman had already moved on, and one of those two guys would be leading the team anyway. Well, I tell you what, uh, if, if you know, if I were sitting here as a fan, uh, hearing you say that, if I if I didn't know that before, I, I would be feeling like elated that these guys have that much experience under their belt and they know the system as well as they do. Um, that's a nice step. Uh, into the position that Sam is is vacating for the moment, um, that will make a, a huge difference. And um, I, I can't help but think, uh, in, after looking at the AP Top 25 that came out today, <laughs> that maybe people didn't have all that information in their heads when they voted because I noticed that, that Wake Forest had dropped down in the AP Top 25 as opposed to the coaches. But we'll see after a couple of weeks of play anyway. I, I say three weeks usually is, is enough. Let's take a look at further um, action and what's going on in the offense, and Will's got uh, a look at that. Yeah, let me just say uh, before we do, I think one of the things you mentioned a moment ago, Les, is the comments by Griffiths. Uh, to kind of paraphrase that he's basically being the placeholder until Hartman 
comes back, I think that really just shows a level of maturity. Uh, but someone that that would be in his position, I don't think not everyone in his position would have. So yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think what's also interesting is is the the kinship between Griffiths and Kern too, and especially Kern even after he's basically heard his coach say, "Hey, it's the other guy that's going to be QB one." And Kern is still out there helping Griffiths try to get better. And they're still giving each other kudos when they make good plays on the field. And it is quite, it seems like quite a close quarterback room. And then, and, you know, it's one of those weird things that, that something like this happening in a team could potentially galvanize the team and bring them even closer together. And that may hold true even, even more so for that quarterback room. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. So let's get into the other, there are other parts of this team that we should probably get into and not spend 30 minutes on quarterback, but I think, uh, yeah, obviously running back, obviously Christian Bill Smith's gone, but that's not a big deal because we saw two backs really make big strides last season and justice Ellison and Christian Turner, both they combined for over a thousand yards. I, I think it was Ellison. I remember uh, when I first saw him have a big touchdown, I think it was in the Virginia game. He had busted a big, big uh, run for touchdown, but then again, everyone did against Virginia last year, but he showed a lot of promise. I think this, uh, this running back room is not going to miss a beat. I'm excited about what the running backs will do for Wake Forest this year. Like you say, Griffiths, Griffiths and Turner combined for like nearly 1100 yards. I think 12 touchdowns. I think, I think, uh, I think Ellison will be the starter. Uh, and then, and then Turner will back him up and there may might even be uh, some room there for uh, Quentin Cooley to see some time. Or even even Virginia uh, area freshman uh, Demond Claiborne has has had a really good camp, and of all the freshmen, has a chance to get in there and play some this year. So um, they're more than likely will roll at two to four running backs this year, just like they rolled with three last year. And uh, the biggest loss in terms of Christian Beal Smith isn't necessarily his rushing yardage; it'll be his pass protection and the plays he made on special teams. He was an excellent special teams player for the Deeks last year. This wide receiver room is stacked. I don't think they're, they're at worst, I would say, second in the ACC. You could argue Virginia, but it's one. It's either one of those two. And one of the big additions, obviously, Ja'Cory Roberson's gone. You get A.T. Perry back. But Donovan Green, after missing last year with a, with a season-ending injury in the preseason, someone who is basically 20 yards a catch any time, he he gets the ball. He's a is a big downfield threat. You get Taylor Morin back, um, Keyshawn Williams, and and another four star. I don't know what kind of time he's going to get this year. Wesley Grimes. He looks like the future uh, at the wide receiver position. So once again, another stacked group of receivers. Less. Yeah, it is a stacked group of receivers. You probably don't remember if you said Jamal Banks, but he's probably the third guy on the outside. He'll see some time. Um, I really don't know if there's a better outside receiver duo in the nation probably than what we're going to see with Donovan Green and A.T. Perry. Uh, not that he'll be in there to begin with, but I, I've called Hartman to Perry a cheat code because it seems like anytime he can't find somebody else, he can always find A.T. Perry for a few yards. Um, so, yeah, that's a great group of receivers. Um, Jackson Hensley is a walk-on who's actually going to break into the two deep. He's going to be the fourth guy on the outside. And then inside at slot will be Taylor Morin and Keyshawn Williams split in time. Um, 
yeah, it's a lot of dangerous weapons. And, and Donovan Green looks uh, bigger, faster, stronger than ever, and he's excited to be back on the field. So uh, watch out, ACC defenses. <laughs> no doubt. And once again, another another strong offensive line. I think we've got four starters back plus one that uh, missed all of last season with an injury. Um, I would say the only nitpick with this is that they were they did struggle sometimes in pass protection, but still, it's you know another year of experience. I don't see this being much of an issue again this year. No, they return 104 starts, which I don't know if that's the most I've seen in Wake Forest history, but it's. It's up there. That's that's a lot of returning starts. Um, they've had a couple guys miss a couple of days of camp, but they're supposed to be back really soon. So the the good side, the, the the good and the bad of that is some of those younger guys have gotten some first team reps that might not have normally. So they should come into the season with a little bit more depth than what they would have normally. So uh, I'm excited about the offensive line, and it, then it tied in, which you haven't got to yet. Blake Whitehart is like a like a fifth-year returning team captain. Uh, the question is, is who gives him relief? And where last year where Brandon Chapman and Blake Whitehart had like pretty equal 50-50 split, I think because they're still searching for who that number two and three guy will be at tight end, it might be more like a 60-40 or a 70-30 split. So the question will be is, is will, Blake, will Blake be able to stay healthy and productive through the entirety of the season? So this team uh, has been uh, in in the years past, um, well, last year, 11th in the nation in total offense, uh, fourth in scoring offense. Uh, just blows my mind every time I, I look at the scoreboard and I'm going like 70 points. Uh, <clears throat> but here's the thing that's always bothered me about Wake Forest over the last couple of years is defense. And defensive coordinator Brad Lambert has – a challenge on his hands and and I understand why he's got a challenge on his hands I I guess are we going to see an improvement in defense so that it's not 70 to 67 um it, it's it's more like a, a 45 to to 20 score uh, and that, that defense is going to start stepping up and in, in being an equal to the offense. Well, obviously, that's that's the goal. And, I mean, I, I believe that's the reason why Dave Clawson brought Brad Lambert in, along with new safeties coach James Adams and along with new linebacker coach Glenn Spencer. Um, I mean, think about it when you, when you add in the Wake Forest prolific offense and all of a sudden you've got a defense that instead of – instead of being just awful, is suddenly just mediocre, right? If you just give Wake Forest a mediocre defense, you know, they're going to be winning a lot of football games, right? Yep. So um, the, 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 the strive for mediocrity is there in terms of the defense, <laughs> right? Um, I believe I'm seeing strides. Defense, like I said, they clearly won the scrimmage on Friday. I had in my, in my VIP report that of the first nine offensive series, the offense got – one first down. I mean, one. <laughs> so, you know, they, they did a lot of good things. Um, the defensive line is really, really stacked. There's a lot of guys that can cycle in there. Rondell Bothroyd is primed for like a breakout season. Um, the linebackers uh, need to find some depth. They're still looking for that. Uh, I think the starting two of Ryan Smenda and Chase Jones 
are one I think I think they're they're at least towards the top in terms of the top starting duos of linebackers, but there's no there's no proven relief behind them. Uh, and then the secondary, there's been a lot of guys that have been banged up through the years. And, and as you get banged up and all of a sudden you're in your second and third string corner and, and safety and you just run out of guys, that's when UNC all of a sudden is able to come back from three touchdowns down to beat you. Mm. So let's get a little more into that defense. You mentioned one of the uh, more underrated defensive players in the league and uh, Rondell Bothroyd. Only one other person in the ACC last season had more tackles for loss, and he was a first-round pick of the in the NFL back in April. That was Jermaine Johnson. So, what can obviously he's not a very well-known name. So, what is what is it about him that makes him so good? I mean, it's his motor. To be honest with you, he just doesn't stop. He doesn't give up on the play. And I believe in this new defense, he's talked about the fact that with Greg Lambert at the helm, that they're able to just kind of play football now and they're they're being more aggressive and they're getting to the backfield more often as opposed to just kind of um i guess uh turning their wheels and waiting for the play to come to them so he's pretty optimistic those tackle for loss numbers are going to grow in 2022 which is a pretty exciting prospect and then alongside him is Jasheen davis who got just kind of flashed like crazy last year both in spring and fall camp and then on the other side is Ja'Cory Johns and uh, Kendron Wayman. So they've got four defensive ends, two on each side, that's that's really electric. And then a lot of guys in the middle that, that, that can stop the run. For sure. And you got uh, you know, Kobe Turner, who's uh, in from Richmond, who was a FCS All-American, and an interesting player who uh, was on uh, Bruce Feldman's freaks list in, in – uh, Dion Bergen, who I think I saw, he, he squats something like 700 pounds, um, can bench press yeah, that is a freak. like four or something, <laughs> 400 pounds. So 460, I think. 460, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think I caught an article you you uh, wrote about it today. And so, yeah, this this really does look like a, the strength wow. of this defense is up front with all the, the bodies they have and just the athletic freaks, as we just mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. And you, it, what's, what's odd is that, you know, you also have Tyler Williams coming back. He talked about the accolades that Kobe Turner transferred to Wake Forest with he's not necessarily locked in as a starter. I mean, you've only got two spots for Tyler Williams, Deion Bergen, and Kobe Turner. Um, I mean, it'll be an equal split, you know, by the time it's all said and done. But, you know, one of those three guys aren't isn't going to start. So, uh, which, I mean, it's whatever for them. It's all about grabbing wins. But yeah, the, the defensive line is stacked and then it's it's definitely a strength of the defense. Yeah, you mentioned the rest of the defense is a bit of a question mark. Uh just a you know, linebacker's a bit of a question. I mean, Reisman is, you know, really good. He's had a had a real nice career so far. But yeah, like I said, the secondary and and this is the thing, they were pretty solid secondary last year. They I think they were like mid-pack against the pass, which, you know, considering the good quarterbacks they that were in the ACC, that's still pretty good. What's also interesting is you have to be careful, and I know that you know this, Will, but everybody else that just looks at raw numbers, when you look at raw numbers of Wake Forest defense statistics, you have to remember that Wake's offense runs at a rapid clip. So their opponents are going to have more possessions than they have against other teams. So the raw number of yards is probably going to be a little bit higher. Higher. The raw number of first downs are probably going to be a little bit higher. The key for Wake Forest defense is their stop rate, 
and mm-hmm. keeping points off the board and forcing some turnovers, right? Getting off the getting off the field on third down. Those would be the things that the Wake Forest defense is really going to be looking for. They still might give up some yards, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing a bad job defensively, if you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. They're just having to having to defend more possessions. Uh, the secondary, there's some guys to be excited about back there at corner. They've got a great pair of corner cornerbacks in Kalen Carson and Gavin Holmes. And then at safety, there's a handful of guys who have really excited in the, in the, in the fall. So um, right now they're entering the season with depth. The key for them is staying healthy and keeping those guys, keeping it to where you can cycle four or five guys in at corner and five or six guys in at safety and staying healthy through the entire 12 to 15 game season. 15 is that the max now is that the max now 15 (laughs) 12 yeah 12 acc title game yeah and if you get to the playoff i think that's about right yeah yeah, 15 yeah so yeah so jim usually does the special teams questions but i'm going to steal one here uh nick saiba has been a you know a stalwart at kicker for for a while but he is gone how's the kicking game going uh in fall camp and who who is the leader there's there's been a competition between uh uh uh, Matthew Dennis uh, and uh, Zach Murphy. Zach Murphy is returning like walk-on, like kicker and uh, holder. Uh, it appears that Matthew Dennis is going to win that competition. He just continues to get more reps, and yeah, he seems to be like the top guy. Um, someone had stats uh, that from my uh, from my practice reports that he's hitting like ninety percent in camp so far. Uh, he's seen, they seem to be stretching him out a little bit further where he's, he's taking attempts from 45 and 50 yards each day now and hitting a good majority of those. Um, I think they will be fine, but I don't think it'll be automatic either. Right. I mean, with Skiba, I mean, he was the most accurate field goal kicker in the history of the NCAA. So I don't think it's going to be automatic, which, you know, which is interesting because it might actually change some, um, some, you know, strategy down the stretch of some ball games because, you know, Clawson always knew he could get those three points. Whereas right, you know, from now on, you might not be able to count on it 100% like you used to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to continue with the special team stuff. I, here's something that intrigues me. <clears throat> you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the NFL draft. And there has been this year after year players coming out of of wake forest and i was watching some stuff the other day preseason nfl and i and i'm hearing a, a guy's name out of wake forest and this is becoming more and more the thing i tell us who you think there uh, is on the team now that is is uh definitely an nfl draft potential that we should be keeping an eye on you know aside from sam hartman Right. Um, my first pick will be kind of an easy layup one. And I'm going to go both A.T. Perry and Donovan Green. But a- Donovan Green might be the mo- more unknown one at this point just because he sat out last year. But, I mean, not only is he had, not only does he have great speed and great hands, but he has like what you would consider like a prototypical NFL build. He is he's a physical freak at, at wide receiver. And I think his game's going to translate really excellently at the next level. And, you know, if he has the kind of season Wake Forest fans believe he has the potential had this season, 
we could see him leave after this season for all we know. So um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, on defensive end, I think Rondell Bothroyd, the last two uh, guys who played that position are Carlos Boogie Basham and Duke Edgefor. And both those guys have made a lot of money at the next level. So I, I believe Rondell Bothroyd has that potential as well. And then behind him, Jasheen Davis is likely to kind of follow right in that same that same mold. Um, you know, further back in, in, on the defense, I really like the game of Kalen Carson. He kind of has that dog in him, as the meme is these days, it seems like. Um, he, you know, he's a really good, stingy defender, kind of physical play. Um, and with a lot of pass breakups and interceptions. So I, those are some guys that kind of popped to me. And I know I'm leaving somebody out. And whoever I am leaving out, I apologize. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay because they'll prove themselves just based on that. Um, <clears throat> so Will and I are going to kind of go through the uh, schedule here real quick and get, get your thoughts and, and maybe make some comments about uh, this schedule. Um, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about uh, the opening game, VMI, which uh, <sighs> firsthand knowledge, it, they can bite you, but they're not going to take you down. But it'll be a, a good uh -huh. game. And, and because it's close, you know, they're going to be traveling. They'll probably roll down by bus or something like that. And uh, so it's a Thursday game on September 1st. Um, some thoughts on uh, the Kedets, not the Cadets, the Kedets. Well, I mean, clearly it's a game in which Wake Forest will need to, to kind of find their footing, especially offensively, with someone new leading the offense. So, like you said, it could be closer for a little bit longer than what Wake fans anticipate. But, I mean, I, Wake should end up winning this one handily by the time, you know, the full 60 minutes are over. Vanderbilt comes up next. They have to travel to Nashville for that one. Um, I, I <laughs> Vanderbilt, okay. Um, I'm thinking of the Whistler and baseball, and that's that's as far as I'm going there. So, I sincerely hope he's not in attendance. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. It's one of those. It's one of those weird things. As as a as a person who covers Wake Forest, I kind of find it weird to see like when Wake Forest fans pick on Vanderbilt because like Vanderbilt arguably is the Wake Forest of the SEC, right? And I, I truly believe, I mean, it's been done before with, with Franklin, right? So I truly believe Clark Lee will eventually get Vandy back on the right track to where they're respectable again. But I don't necessarily think that journey will start in season two, game two or three for the, for the Commodores. I believe that Wake, you know, Wake Forest, this being the ninth year of Dave Fawson, with the experience that they built up, will take care of business in Nashville and probably win that game handily. This next one uh, could be a challenge, but, you know, if history tells us anything about uh, the Flames. Uh, but Liberty is not quite the same team as it has been over the last couple of years. And this is also going to be at Wake Forest. Yeah, it's the second home game of the season for the Deeks. It's the first weekend home game. It's the first – let me see, what's the kick time on this? It's a 5 p.m. strange kick time. 5 p.m. kick time on a Saturday. Hmm. Uh, plenty of time for fans to tailgate, I guess, before they get in for that one. Uh, yeah, Deeks by like two or three touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. Now we start getting into uh, 
some competition. We get into the first real big game, September 24th, it's Clemson. But there is the advantage of having the Tigers at home. And anytime anybody plays at home, clearly an advantage, and it, it can be taken care of. I have been on record in two or three other places already as picking Wake Forest in this game. Having lost Hartman and not knowing his <laughs> not knowing his uh, return time has me wavering, to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. Um, that being said, um, you know, b- what we saw at a DJ last year for, for Clemson, I would definitely prefer to see, you know, Mitch Griffiths at quarterback for Wake Forest. I think he will have a better handle of the offense than what we've seen thus far out of Clemson quarterbacks. I think I'm going to stick to my guns and just let it roll and see what happens. Yeah. Pick the Deeks to beat Clemson. There's also always a chance that whatever player is missing right now might not be missing by that time because we just simply don't know. So, uh, so there's two or three different ways Wake Forest can win this game. Um, so I'm going to go Deeks. Uh, yeah, Wake Wake Forest finally beats Clemson. Brave soul here. I, <laughs> I like it. October 1st, they're traveling down to Tallahassee to take on the Seminoles. That's a team that I think can reach up and bite somebody because we're not really sure if if Norville has, has made the progression with this team yet, and th- it could happen this year. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to stick with what I had before and, and go ahead and stay – I have I have the nose beating Wake Forest here. Uh, uh, the the hangover of beating the Clemson Tigers, the trip down to Tallahassee road game. Norville's team is clearly you know ascending. They played well down the stretch last season. I'm reading good reports about them so far in this preseason camp. Uh, I've got the nose with the victory. Interesting. Okay. Um, next game up is Army, and Army is always a tough competitor. You never know what you're going to get there. Sometimes. Um, they they pull a rabbit out of the hat. Well, they nearly did last year with that, you know, game that everybody, you know, raved and complained about all at the same time. You know, what was the final, 70 to 56, something like that? <laughs> yes. I don't think Army will score 56 points, <clears throat> let's put it that way. But Wake probably also won't score 70. So mm-hmm. I've got the Deeks in this one, and, and it's going to be really interesting to, to me to see how the new um, – how the new blocking rules are called in terms of the chop blocks and how stringently those things will be called this coming season. I think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, October 15th is an open date, October 22nd. Here's another team that potentially has the ability. I think they're flying under the radar to be quite honest with you. Boston college. Yeah, I've got the D I've got the Deeks winning this one at home. I think that they'll have enough. Um, Boston College hasn't proved to me. I mean, Wake beat them in one of the final games. I think it's the final game of last season, kind of handled them, you know, pretty easily. And I don't really see any reason to think it's going to be all that much different, you know, this season. Next couple of games, uh, road games, October 29th at Louisville. Uh, definitely going to be a challenge there. And November 5th at NC State, another challenge. Two, two back-to-back on the road games that could be could be tough what do you think 
I was talking to I was talking to David Hale from ESPN earlier today about the Cardinals because he has Louisville picked to finish fifth in the ACC, you know, in terms of like a power rankings perspective. So not like fifth in the Atlantic, but just kind of like fifth overall. overall. Yeah. Um, and I, I reminded him that he was big high on the Cardinals last year too, and they did not do so well. But I feel like Satterfield has that team improving. I'm also hearing really good things about their camp. And if you look at Wake's schedule, after Louisville, they've got NC State and North Carolina, you know, kind of looming out there. Uh, there is a chance Wake could be looking ahead to those big four matchups, and I don't think Louisville's going to be a pushover. So I'm going to – I think – it's a tough one, see, because mm-hmm. I'm gonna, Wake's going to lose one of these next two games. They're either going to lose at Louisville or they're going to lose at NC State. And Wake always – Wake's beat, beaten State four out of five games. Is this going to be the year where State finally gets over it? So I'm going to say Wake beats Louisville again in yet another close one. It was like three points last year to be another close, and to be another one by field goal this year. Hmm. And and your th- your thoughts on on that NC State final? At what's what's the score going to be there? <laughs> uh, it's going to well. See, the NC State has a legit defense. I mean, it's not going to be yeah. as nuts from a from a scoring perspective as we might think. I've got state winning that one. Let's say thirty-one twenty-four. Okay, that's going to be a, a very well attended game since it's in state. So, yeah. Um, and speaking of another uh, well attended game, uh, North Carolina is coming to town on November twelfth. That should be interesting. Yeah, the, yeah. Wake has lost twice in a row now to North Carolina after having a three touchdown lead. Uh, I don't think they'll get a three touchdown lead this year, but I don't think they're going to blow the lead that they get. I got uh, got Wake winning this one by ten. Going to finish up with uh, two teams that are not expected to do a lot in the conference this season: Syracuse and, and then Duke. Thoughts on the Syracuse game, which is at home, and then traveling uh, over to Durham to Duke. Yeah, I think I think the D's take care of both of these. Probably one of the final games. For Dino Babers at Syracuse and then and then a Duke you know they'll close out the first season of Mike Elko who much like Clark Lee at, at Vandy will probably do really good things at Duke but it, it's probably not going to happen this season so I've got Wake finishing 10 and 2 uh and it would probably be a pretty big jumble in the ACC Atlantic you know Wake would have two losses and it just depends on what NC State and Clemson do in their in their matchup. Well, Dave Clawson has taken the team to seven seasons worth of bowls. Uh, I would imagine with a record like that, that's number eight. So Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a good postseason. Hey, you can take ACC Nation with you by subscribing to our podcast on your favorite platform. Worldwide fans of the ACC can listen to us on ACC Nation Radio. Of course, you can watch the interviews on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you so much to our special guest, Les Johns of 24-7's Demon, Deacon Digest. If you're looking for the latest on the Deeks, follow him on Twitter and be sure to subscribe to Demon Deacon's Digest. Thank you, Les, for joining us. Glad to be on, Jim. Thank you, Will. Well.